I'm Scott Detrow. There's so much political news to follow these days, but you don't have to keep up with all of it. You just have to keep up with us on the NPR Politics Podcast. With a team of NPR political reporters and editors, we record two episodes a week and sometimes more when the big news happens. Find the NPR Politics Podcast on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't watched the Netflix sci-fi mystery series Stranger Things, there's a decent chance someone has tried to get you to watch it. The first season was about the mysterious disappearance of a boy named Will and about the efforts of his friends and family to get him back. It generated a lot of conversation. It also received 18 Emmy Award nominations and it made its 1980s E.T. meets Stephen King aesthetic cool. Now the show is back for a second season where everything is still pretty weird. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. On this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour, we'll check in on Eleven, Will, and the rest of the gang in the mysterious town of Hawkins, Indiana. Don't go away. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from ABC. With Marvels Inhumans, where on the dark side of the moon exists a civilization of Inhumans, with two brothers battling for one throne. Experience the first chapter of this new saga now in IMAX theaters. Get tickets now at BeInhumanInIMAX.com and watch the complete series on ABC, Friday starting September 29th. Marvel's Inhumans. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lyft. Reminding listeners that they could be relaxing in a Lyft ride right now, with their eyes closed, listening to Beethoven or whale sounds, or a babbling brook, or something else relaxing. Lyft provides rides as relaxing as the buttery smooth voice of a public radio announcer because riding is just a more relaxing way to drive. Lyft. It matters how you get there. Download and ride today. Before we get going, let's introduce the rest of the panel. Glenn Weldon writes for the NPR Arts Desk. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair this week, coming to you all the way from Florida, is NPR TV critic Eric Deggins. Hi, Eric. Hi, it's very cold here. 54 degrees. You know, we were just talking about this. Eric assured us it was very cold, and it turned out that meant 54 degrees. Uh So that is his version of Stranger Things, Uh is calling 54 degrees very cold. Uh, We should say before we start that while we're not spoiling the new season as to very specific details, we're going to talk about it a fair amount, and we're certainly going to talk about the first season. Just so you are fully informed, that is what our plan is. I want to start with Eric because Eric is our TV critic. Eric, uh, were you a fan of the first season of Stranger Things? I was a fan, and it sort of creeped up on me, I guess the way it kind of creeped up on the world in an odd way. Yeah. Not so much for all the on-the-nose 80s references that everybody seemed to love, Mm -hmm. but I'm a sucker for a good coming-of-age story with kids that feel authentic and knuckle-headed and fun and yet also devoted to each other. Right. And so whenever those kids are on screen, I'm just, I'm in heaven. Yeah, you're you're into the kind of kids on bikes part. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that's that's what I really loved uh, most about the show. And and then you throw in this super powered 
young girl who can like wave things around with her hands mm -hmm. and a little bit of blood coming out. That's it. Yeah. My 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 sci-fi geek is satisfied. <laughs> my coming of age geek is satisfied. Yeah. I'm satisfied. Yeah. How did the how did the second season strike you? You know, I like the second season better than the first, and I, I may be in the minority there, but it started slow. The first way people can lose me is to say, hey, you know. The fourth episode is when it picks up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm gone Been by there. then. I don't even want to start watching. Life is too short. <laughs> and I hesitated before putting that in my review, but it really is true. I felt like the show didn't really pick up until you got to, to about the fourth episode. But you learn so much more about the characters, about the alternate dimension, about what exactly they're fighting, what are these these monsters that they're fighting, and their connection to the young people. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. And, and to me, seeing a sequel, because this is really positioned like a sequel to a sure film, is. you know? Sure is. Uh, to see a sequel stick to landing the way this one did mm -hmm. for me, you know, I wanted to give it a gold medal just for that. So, Excellent. There you go. How about you, Glenn? Uh, you know, the show is interesting to talk about because these characters oh, today would be our age, right? So we're the ones yeah. talking about this show. Yeah. About, but it doesn't feel evocative of a real childhood because I think what the show is doing, and it's very upfront about doing this, is it's evoking the culture that we consumed about that time as opposed to the actual time. So all right. of these homages to all these things. And so in a show that is so, uh, you can call it steeped in or mired in nostalgia, for it to kind of go back to its first season and just dredge up more, it could fly up its own narrative butt. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I thought it neatly <laughs> avoided that mostly because what it did when it was working for me is it mixed up things and, and put in new combinations. The yes. combination of Dustin and Steve, yeah. who we hadn't seen paired before, really. Dustin is one of the younger kids. Steve is the uh, teenage boyfriend of uh, Will's sister. Right. Yeah. The, the hunky guy with the cool hair. Yeah, yeah with the big <laughs> hair. And then uh, Eleven and Hopper, like they get paired up in a way that is frustrating because they're not communicating in an effective way, but at least it's new. It's Right. different. Mm -hmm. There was some stuff that got added like uh, Brett Gelman. I always love seeing Brett Gelman and when he gets added to the mix, he's fun. Some of the other additions of this to this season just don't didn't work for me. The addition of Billy, who is this other uh, dirtbag uh, guy, uh -huh. right, who's now kind of the new Steve, the kind of mm -hmm. the new bully. I thought I knew what they were doing with him because there was kind of a queer moment. He gets a little volleyball top gun played with the boys <laughs> moment, <laughs> but it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, his stepsister, uh, Max, I didn't think there was much there, only because that role of the surly teen skeptic who has to be explained over and over again to about what's going on and she doesn't believe, she doesn't believe, is just, ugh, you know, it just takes so long yeah. for us to get there. And if there's one piece of service journalism I will do, which I just, if you want to make this experience go a little bit faster, just skip episode seven. That's the <laughs> one where uh, uh, Eleven goes off by herself and, and goes on a quest. And I understand what it's doing there, right? Because again, if we're talking about cultural interpretation of the 80s, you have the teens on bikes. Yeah. But you also have this Max Headroom, the hunger, fishnets, fingerless gloves, mohawks, you know, the Pat Benatar video. Sure. 80s. Sure. I, I understand I, I saw this that, that... The pop punk. The pop punk. The pop punk 80s. Yeah. I, I always got two minutes into that into that episode and I was like, where are the barrel fires? There's yeah. going to be a barrel fire. Oh, <laughs> yeah. there it is. There yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Right I on time. I so that. I liked it. Some stuff worked, some stuff didn't. Yeah. How about you, Thompson? The first season of this show really felt 
like it was bred in a lab to be loved by me. And that was my reaction to it, and I absorbed it that way. I was uh, 11 in 1983. I was 12 in 1984. This is right grafted over a lot. Can I say that I hate you? I, I felt connected to, to the characters in a way. At one point, uh, right near the end, the character of Dustin is made up with his hair in kind of a pompadour. And, like Steve. Uh, and, and Katie, my girlfriend, walks by and goes, so is he the character that you relate to the most? <laughs> <laughs> I have seen your hair look just like that in a photo, I will say. Um, so so I, I, was, I was all in for the first season. I like this season, but I found it wobblier. I wanted, I felt a lot more kind of narrative thrust in the first season. I agree with Glenn completely about episode seven. But even other episodes kind of in the middle, there's one where just it's like Hopper and Elle yelling at each other for a half an hour. And I just... I I wanted a little bit more story there. At the same time, so much of this season just felt like comfort food in a way. It settled in very quickly to just like, this is how I want to spend every weekend around Halloween Mm -hmm. is just kind of just kind of hanging out with these characters a little bit more. I found myself drawn to the portrayal of Bob, of Bob the Brain, played by Sean Astin, who is another example of something that this show is coming to do very well, which is making you feel for characters you think you're going to hate. Mm -hmm. You think the show is zigging. It's playing around with tropes pretty well. It's playing around with tropes. And I mean, so much of what it's doing is is just you know this is a reference to this and this is a you know this uh-huh. is these critters are right out of Jurassic Park and these critters you know and so on but it does a really nice job of upending uh, particularly what you Linda in your review described as the the trope of the obstacle boyfriend mm-hmm. uh-huh. they do a nice job of turning obstacle boyfriends into into rootable characters yeah, and, yeah. and finding the the heroism in people you don't expect to be heroic. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the one of the tricks with uh, sequels or second seasons or whatever we're going to call this is when you've talked a lot about what it is you appreciate about a show, sometimes when the sequel comes out, you don't repeat all of those things. So it seems like you don't like it. And I want to make it clear. Right. I, I liked a lot of the same things about this season that I liked about the first season. I think it's impeccably directed. I think some of the work around not only the visuals, but also the choice of angles and things like that are very, very creative in ways that are really effective. And it's one of those things where you can spend a fair amount of time with this show just enjoying the way that they use the camera and the way that they create scenes. I will say the other thing that happens with sequels, though, is when a sequel begins to repeat things, you realize where some of its uh, of its weaknesses are Mm -hmm. because you begin to see it's not a matter of they can do absolutely anything and they chose to do this. It's more this is kind of where they fall to. And particularly for me, I think this is really a show that has a a wonderful, wonderful feel for adolescent boys. The kids on bikes, but also I think Steve, the decision to kind of round out Steve rather than kind of tossing him aside, which it really seemed like they could have done at the end of the first season. Uh The decision to kind of give him more to do to pair him up with Dustin, I think, was so smart. The decision to give Lucas, I think, a lot more to do in this season that is more interesting and specific than anything he got to do in the first season. I felt like Lucas kind of became in the first season at times the other friend who didn't necessarily get as much time by himself to have his own stories. And I was really happy that he did this time. 
the imagination of this show around adolescent and teenage girls is not is not as broad and is not as creative. I like Nancy, who's the teenage sister, although she's very much a kind of ordinary, brave, but you know, she's a little more generic than I think any of those boys are. And I did notice Max essentially relates to these boys, these young boys, in almost exactly the same way Eleven did. Hmm. Eleven entered their lives as kind of this mysterious creature person, right? And that turns out to be a, a kind of a supernatural thing. Max comes into their lives as this sort of mysterious wizard of video games. Right. And then this mysterious person that they're watching. And I think, unfortunately, if you're like me, it's hard not to notice that the gaze at adolescent girls is through the lens of these boys who see them as kind of mysterious, magical creatures, which is sure. fine. Uh-huh. But it's limiting a little bit. I would have rather they met like a normal girl who could hang out with them rather than being kind of Mad Max, all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, and I agree with I agree with Glenn that the, the seventh episode and in fact, most of the stuff where Eleven is off by herself, separated from her friends, which is most of the second season, yeah. I thought was a, a, a kind of not a great use of that character. Yeah. Can I defend the seventh? Of course, uh, of course. Not just because I'm a Pat Benatar fan. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> because I was kind of waiting for my moment with the fishnets and the spiky hair and yeah. the barrel fires. Okay. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, we do have a key character's existence revealed. I won't say uh, who it is, and because sure. uh, I don't want to reveal that much of a spoiler. But it felt like that episode was laying a lot of groundwork for the next season. Mm. Because uh-huh. and and it felt like a lot of that episode was about saying, "Here's where this story could go next." Right? Um, yeah. Here's here's the here's the quest that could come next, mm-hmm. uh, oh. and here's the ex- the sort of extended connections and relationships that Eleven might connect to. If there's a third or when there's a yeah. third when season. A third. And if that's the third thing, yeah. boy, do I not care about that. <laughs> yeah, boy, <it's, laughs> I, I feel like you've done so much effective scene setting in Hawkins, mm-hmm. Indiana, where you've created Hawkins, Indiana as this very specific place and all these people within it. Yeah. When you take the show out of that, I just felt like I, I'm not watching this show. Right. It reminded me, that episode reminded me of like, it felt like one episode out of 22 Instead of one episode out of nine, oh, like it could be yeah. an episode of sure. it could be an episode sure. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where you're like, okay, she's a waitress off in some town. Get her, <laughs> get her back. Just yeah. get her back to Sunnydale. Yeah. that was kind of how I felt that whole episode. If yeah. it were one out of twenty two, one, one thing I did fun. think was interesting though is that we found out that there were limits to what Eleven would do. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, we, mm-hmm. we we found out there might be, uh, like I said, another. Um, you know, element to this. Right. And I think three seasons in Hawkins is going to be three seasons too much. No, I get that. I think the biggest surprise of the season is Noah Schnapp, who plays Will, who mm-hmm. was completely, almost completely absent from the first yeah. season, but is yeah. called upon to do yeah. so much mm-hmm. and and provide yeah. the emotional anchor in this entire season. I think he does, I think he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Winona Ryder, lover, have to, gay, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, she is playing frayed nerve yeah. from beginning to end. In addition to what I said about Max and Eleven being a little too similar for my tastes, I also was a little disappointed 
that the the big emotional beat for Eleven between Eleven and her friends for a yeah. good part of the season was essentially jealousy. Yeah, I, th- that I was disappointed in, and I love that character so much, and I think she's so interesting that I wanted to see her interact with those people. But I agree with you, Glenn, that it was interesting to see that the kid who plays Will can hold up so much of the right. story so much. when he was nearly, like you said, absent from the first season. And in fact, mm. I think in some ways the kid who carries the least of the emotional heft in the second season is Mike, yeah. who carries right. the most in the first season. Mm-hmm. So I, I admire very much the way that they did seem willing to kind of mix up the use of the cast, whether it's by really changing what they were doing with Steve, as we talked about, or really moving that focus back on to Dustin and Lucas and Will and less on Mike. Right. There was a bunch of stuff I really liked about it. it ju- I just had some reservations about I, it. I do think that the show is is figuring out what it has to work with a little bit. And as these kids age, some of them are aging into stars. And yeah. I think the show is picking up on that. I think the kid who plays Lucas has the face of a movie star. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see what becomes of that kid. Yeah. At the same time, I think some of that is happening at the expense of of people I loved so much in the first season, I didn't feel like David Harbour as Jim Hopper had enough to do in this one. He was he, he was a little bit more playing one note. Mm. Most of his of his meaningful interaction is just with L in this kind of kind of stepfather stepdaughter yelling at each other vibe and mm-hmm. I just think he is such a gifted actor and such an interesting presence I would have liked to have seen him integrated into the story a little bit better. I felt like he was much more well-rounded in the first season yeah. than in this season my prediction for MVP the barb of season two the person with the least screen time but the biggest effect I'm putting my money down here Priya Ferguson who plays Lucas's little sister Erica <laughs> only a few scenes oh, yes. Yes. but she is fantastic She's basically good. just calling him a nerd and all his friends are yeah. nerd <laughs> losers and she is I would, she is I would a give presence. her the blackish award for an incredibly snarky younger sister yes. played impeccably agreed yes. agreed she is she is so awesome yeah another thing somebody mentioned on twitter the other day that i also had thought of was somebody said the music budget for the second season must have been a million billion jillion dollars (laughs) because boy I feel like even more than the first season it's not just that they're using 80s style music and score and things like that but a lot of like hits hits I think they paid for that budget uh, with product placement (laughs) (laughs) also I just think that the creepy villain the thing in the upside down was Uh creepier in the first season and cuter in the second season (laughs) I just didn't. Uh, I didn't have that same feeling of dread. Yeah, from the it's a it's a long-standing issue that I have with this show. That the more it is in and about the upside down, the less I care about it. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen King has even talked about the fact that once you take an, an idea of a monster and make it literal, it is always less scary. And to me, once you take the idea of you know a monster that's chasing your town and you try to come up with a visual representation of it, yeah. it's somewhat silly mm-hmm. rather than bone deep terrifying. So I'm always actually less interested in the upside down than other people are. Also, they should stop making the way to get to the upside down look quite so much like a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. Yeah, there is that. There is that. I was wondering how you got to handle that. Yeah. That was very well done. Yeah, very I mean, uh, the other thing is, and this, this goes to your earlier point, I mean, it is such a striking visual, the, the land of the upside down. Yeah. But we've seen 
two seasons of it. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I will be curious to hear what folks think about season two of Stranger Things or Stranger Things 2, mm-hmm. as they have enthusiastically called it. You can come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet at us at PCHH. So that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Eric. And on Friday, we're going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok. Thank you for listening. And if you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks to find the show. And we will see you all next week.